his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Most popular, it's a category in a school yearbook. Does it really belong in the Oscars? Absolutely not. I despise this new category without reservation. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, a discussion of one of the topics making news this week. This is KCBS In-Depth. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Holly Kwan, joined by Peter Hartlaub, the pop culture critic for the San Francisco Chronicle. He also does a podcast called The Big Event. So after the worst TV ratings ever, is that what it was? The Motion Picture Academy says it's going to trim the Oscar show, keep it to three hours. And they added a category, most popular film. And it's kind of set off this whole firestorm of criticism. It touches on racial inequality. And and, and this is the uh, industry that's come under scrutiny for all sorts of inequities and improprieties this year. The whole notion of a most popular film just fodder for a late night talk show host like Jimmy Kimmel. One day we may very well hear the words and the Oscar goes to the Fast and Furious 18. Never stop fasting, never stop furious. Or the Daily Show's Trevor Noah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Odyssey movies are great, but like in theory, Right? When I watch the Oscars, I want to see Tom Cruise, right? Not some slob in a rented tux who challenged the way we think about solitude. I want to see action. <laughs> and here's my opinion. If they want to appeal to viewers, they should just add more than one new category. Like, I want to see best illegally downloaded movie. <laughs> All right? I want, like, real categories. Like, we need, like, hottest Chris. <laughs> I want, like, the Oscar for the best white person playing a minority. That's what I want to see. And then the Oscar for Best Meryl Streep. That's what we want. That's what we want. All right. So, Peter, does this dilute or minimize an Oscar award, you know, when there's a, a most popular category? I mean, I don't know. It feels like, you know, the MTV's Best Kiss Award. Yeah, I, I don't understand why they're doing this. There, there's already a most popular category. It's called the box office. They get to make all the money and get to have sequels. And... Oh, I, I think it's a reaction to a few art films, one best picture, and everybody in Hollywood is panicking that they're, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollar investments in their blockbusters aren't getting Oscars for a few years, and this is a knee-jerk reaction, and I, I just think it's ridiculous. A lot of people have also said that it feels like it's a consolation prize. Um, that if it really is a, a best picture, then you'll see it at the box office. You, you'll 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 see the nominations. Um, but this could end up being something. You know, it's a popcorn kind of kind of movie, right? You look at the most popular. Maybe it's a mo- not the most technical. Maybe you don't have like the best acting in it. But it was the one that everybody loved. Yeah, and 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 then I feel even bad for the people who are making these big films, Black Panther. So. Maybe the voters now are going to say, well, that's going to get the most popular film and it's not going to get a best picture nominee that it, I think, probably will deserve by the end of the year. We haven't seen all the movies, but um, I think if I'm someone who's making a film like Get Out or Black Panther, Logan, a film that um, uh, has some artistic quality to it, but is a popcorn movie, um, I'm going to be upset by this because it's like you're creating a category to put me in because I don't belong with all these other Hollywood art films. And um, I, I, I think it's just wrong on so many levels. And it's 
It's a reaction to the fact that their ratings dropped 19%, which have nothing to do with which movies are being nominated. It has to do with the state of broadcast television and the interest of crowds. Young people don't sit around watching TV like they used to. They, they consume media a different way. And they're not reacting to that. They're making these crazy knee-jerk decisions. Yeah, it sounds like they need to be focusing their attention elsewhere because they're they're kind of playing catch-up on something that's really not going to come back. Yeah, and, and, and that's okay. I mean, there's different ways people are consuming media. It doesn't mean that young people aren't going to be involved in the Oscars, but maybe they're on their phones following the memes or watching the speeches in that format. I think forcing people to change their behaviors when when society's behaviors are changing and and young people are consuming media a different way is just it, it's the wrong approach. Well, and yeah, I don't get it. They probably also have to figure out a different way to to measure those ratings or measure how many people are 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 watching because, like you said, they're consuming it in different ways. So it doesn't mean they're not watching. Yeah, and this is clearly driven by the network. Um, i I don't think the Oscars are any less important than they were. I think people still talk about them. They just talk about them on different mediums. But the network, looked at the ratings, the ratings dropped. That's a crisis for them. It's not a crisis for the Oscars. I think actually the Oscars, up until now has been making really smart changes the last few years to get a more diverse um, uh, votership there. I mean, they're making smart long-term changes, and then this is just a short knee-jerk change, I think, to just satisfy the the broadcasting company that they have a long-term deal with. It also feels like a move like this illustrates how the Academy really isn't in touch with um, the movie going public or how it... it, it elevates its elitism yeah and really i mean i think i don't know that these changes are going to go through everybody hates them um they, they did come back and say well everybody hates every change we make but we make them anyway and then people get used to them which i think is a horrible you know comeback but i'm not even sure this is going to happen i think they might have been floating it out there and they may come back with some kind of compromise that isn't as bad i'd love to see a couple new categories uh, breakthrough star. That's one that it's always an issue with um, actor and supporting actor nominees. Whether you know someone who's a brand new star sh- should be you know nominated and, and and get the award versus someone who has a body of work. Breakthrough star, I think, would be a great new way to get maybe young people a little more interested if that's what you want to do. But um, this this. I, I, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. But then you're breaking away from sort of that that Hollywood magic, you know, the history of it. And then it starts to feel like it becomes more of like, you know, an MTV music video award or something like that. I, I think so. But I, I think you look at, um, uh, you know, in, in previous years, the breakthrough stars, generally, there's some really great performances that people want to celebrate. Um, you, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, you know, you don't want to go to Best Kiss or... or uh, but I, I think I think there's ways to change things and make it a little bit more youthful down to who's hosting it and, and how it's formatted. I mean, that's the changes I think that they should make, not adding some category that no one wants. Uh, I, anyway, you, Trevor Noah was saying that uh, he made a point when he was joking that he wanted to see a category with, uh, you know, best white person trying to you know play a minority. And and that yeah. was an issue with like with Tilda Swinton. Um, yeah. And Emma Stone was 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 uh, you know criticized for that. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, Ghost in the Shell. That was a, a ma- I couldn't believe they did that. Um, yeah. And you've got it's Scarlett Johansson pulling out of a movie. Yeah. Um, when she was uh, supposed to play a, a transgender character, and and you see those kinds of you know some 
actors reacting and saying, okay, I don't want to deal with this or this isn't right. And this is not the kind of thing that you would have seen when what Hillary Swank won an Oscar in what Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, that's the changes that I think that, that are happening more slowly. I hope the changes are happening. And, and that's, I think, what's going to um, affect the Oscars legacy more than adding a throwaway category. Um, I think what they're doing right now to fix some problems they've had in the last few years, not just within the Oscars, but within the industry, um, about just a white male dominated industry and how you steer out of that. Um, and, and the Oscars can do a lot for that because um, they're the face of, you know, they're, they're the celebration of Hollywood at the end of the year. And that's where everybody sees where these changes hopefully are going to happen. But those kinds of things um, occur within the studios, right? I mean, it, it, I assume that the Academy only has so much that it can do. Sure. I, I think the Academy, though, can put pressure. And um, certainly the Academy can put pressure by changing their votership, which they did. They made a radical change a couple years ago. Um, essentially purging, which they've done a couple other times in history, but purging a lot of the older white males or, or a demographic that's going to uh, contain a lot of older white males and then um, inviting a lot of younger people and um, a heavier um, uh, female. It was almost 50-50 female, the 600 new voters that came on a couple of years ago out of about 6,000. And then uh, many more uh, art, uh, artists of color were invited in. And um, that's when the voting changes and we start celebrating films that are more diverse, that's going to put pressure on the studio. So I think the Oscars can affect that in a big way. Okay, talking about baby steps, maybe this year, uh, it's just me, but it seems like this year is really prominent for movies, you know, featuring people of color. You had, you know, Black Panther, sure. you mentioned. That was a mainstream success. But then you also had these, these two, two locally shot movies. That was um, the one, Sorry to Bother You, that was a black telemarketer who finds his uh, secret to success. Yeah. Give you two. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice. I'm not talking about Will Smith's wife. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer, this is Langston from Regal View. And then we also had Blind Spotting. It was shot in Oakland as well. I got three days left on this probation. When you got that gun on you, just don't tell me about it. Plausible deniability. Oh, do you mean this gun? Get out. So, you know, those two movies shot in Oakland. So, you know, we love that. Um, but but how is it playing elsewhere? Does it get traction when you see movies like this come out? Or is it, you know, we just love it here. We embrace it because, no, I, you know. I think... Um, Sorry to bother you in particular has has developed, you know, almost a level of a phenomenon. And that's an example where Boots Riley, he's a rapper who has wanted to be a filmmaker and been trying to get this film made for years. Um, very talented artist as a rapper who has a lot of ideas in his music. Great candidate to make a first time film. He got support from the Sundance Institute and the San Francisco Film Festival has a a uh, new um, filmmaker program. They greatly supported him and helped make this get this movie made. And I think that's what we need is the mentorship. It's more than just Disney having Ryan Coogler, who has success, um, be uh, the the director of Black Panther. It's are there people in Disney who are mentoring um, filmmakers of color, women, female filmmakers, so that they're in a position where they're mentoring people down the road and they're making decisions. And it's not just white men deciding who gets to make these films. There's a series of, uh, of, 
of changes that go on. I think we can see that at Pixar. Um, that's really going to be a place where we're going to see, you know, I mean, they have programs going on right now that they're trying to get some of their, they've realized that they've had a too male dominated with their filmmakers and they're trying to make changes. And that's what I'm going to look at is, is what kind of changes are made and not just the big name directors, but if we're going to start seeing some new directors who are not just white men. You said also that um, it's, it's become less expensive to, to make some of these movies. And, and, you know, it's always dollars and cents for a lot of these studios, but because it's less expensive, um, it, it opens doors for people. Yeah. I, you know, the complaint is that we're having more of these movies like um, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where you're getting these great directors in and telling them, well, you have to have this character in it and this character is going to die. And, you know, you got to check all these boxes and it's constraining. So Ryan Coogler did a great job of making a great film despite those constraints. But there are constraints. On the other hand, um, I think because these big blockbuster films are such events there's a little bit more yearning for the quiet films. You've seen a lot of documentaries this summer. Um, RBG and sorry to, uh, uh, not sorry to bother you, um, the RBG and the um, Mr. Rogers documentary. Um, sorry to bother you. Eighth grade, Bo Burnham made this fantastic movie for under $5 million. And he's someone who's wanted to make a film for a while. So I think we're going to see more of these five, $10 million films. Some of them are making money because of social media. You, not only do you, is it less expensive to make a film, but it's less expensive to market one because you can market it through social media and other channels without having to spend a lot of money on advertising for TV or billboards or whatever. So I think on one hand, you know, we're seeing these bigger blockbuster films that maybe are a little less artistic. On the other hand, it's getting a little bit easier, it seems like, to make a good $5 million film. You're saying that, that already it's, it's uh, you know, the middle of summer and you have a top 10. Yeah. Already. I, and that's a change. I've been reviewing movies since 2003. And it used to be that um, January and February were, we called it dumpuary because that's <laughs> where they dumped all the bad films um, I loved it because I like reviewing those films, but a lot of them don't even screen for critics. There's never a great film coming through there. Like Fargo, I think, was the only one for about 10 years. And then the summer was, you know, maybe you'd get a good blockbuster, but the summer you weren't going to get too much there. So by August, you know, you maybe have seen one or two great films that are going to end up on your top 10 list. I could make my top 10 list now and I'd be happy. I mean, I, I could put Sorry to Bother You, 8th Grade, Black Panther, Leave No Trace, you know, movie a lot of people haven't seen. Um, there have been great films this year coming out earlier in the year. And that's great, too. I mean, we're getting good films all year. Um, so not, you, will that then kind of change the way it'll change your calendar? It'll change the way you think about what to expect. Um, and, and you had mentioned that there were a lot of really good films that might be making money because uh, they are getting out there. So because there may be better quality yeah. amongst these smaller movies than, um, you know, us as, as moviegoers or consumers have to look elsewhere for, for this kind of content? I, I don't know. I mean, people, you know, a lot of people are worried people are watching things at home and, and a lot of people are worried that they're watching on their phones and piracy was a huge scare and it still is for the studios. But I hear like theater owners, the Grand Lake Theater in Oakland, they were operating at a loss for more than a decade. And Alan Michon, who owns the Grand Lake, told me this year they had their best year ever. Okay. Um, and it's because people are, it's not just because of the blockbusters. Black Panther helped that, you know, maybe the biggest movie in their history or one of the biggest. 
But people are going right now to see Sorry to Bother You um, and, and blind spotting there. And that's an Oakland-centric um, thing. But um, I don't think there's a huge crisis with movies. This, this problem with um, the Oscars, I don't think it's about people not wanting to see movies. I think it's about the change in the way that people are consuming movies and bigger the way they're consuming the Oscars telecast. Um, I, I, you know, just doing this for a while, I see as much interest in movie making and movies as ever. Okay, Spike Lee's new movie, Black Klansman, that's getting a lot of ink, right? Because yeah. it's it's another social commentary that's coming in at a right time um, about a black cop who works a case to infiltrate the KKK. And he does it over the phone. Um, when it comes to meeting Klansmen in, in, in person, he uses um, a, a white cop as, as his double. Let's listen to this. The KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? We'll establish contact over the phone. We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet face-to-face. You for the white race, Ron? Oh, hell yeah. So there becomes a combined Ron Stallworth. Can you do that? With the right white man, we can do anything. All right, you said that this, you've seen this, and and, and everybody that I've heard, and I know that, that just love it. Just, yeah, just... no, I mean, Spike Lee, you know, what a career. And, and he seems to come out of nowhere like every decade. You, you look at um, 25th Hour, Inside Job, and now this movie, Two months ago, when I'm making my summer movie preview, I'm thinking, uh, Spike Lee, he's been up and down. I'm not sure about this. Even the trailer, I, I wasn't sure. The tone seemed off. And uh, this is one of the two or three best-reviewed films of the year, um, uh, just getting incredible reviews. And and uh, and I, I think it's going to be you know big talk during the Oscars. I, I think it'll definitely be, be one of the big pictures that people are still talking about. Why do you think it would be so well received? I mean, I can see people potentially putting it in in a category. Yeah. Of, of the, okay, that's a socially relevant, um, but it's not, you know, high, high on my list. There's humor in it, though. In the, in the period piece, it's captured in a way that there's just a lot of momentum in this film that it doesn't feel preachy. And um, I'll tell you another thing. I think he's... I believe this film, like Inside Job, like 25th Hour, he didn't write it. It's him directing someone else's work. And that's when, I think certainly in the last 20 years, when he's done his best work. Um, so I think people are going to be surprised. They're going to go in expecting something from Spike Lee and realize that um, he's just a very good tonal filmmaker. He, he paces things in a very good way. He's a good storyteller, and people are going to be reminded of that again with this. But talking about stories in, in general, you've got a director, um, you've got actors that want to you know, create their own own movies, but it also comes down to a writer, somebody who's yeah. got an idea. Um, you, you, it feels like you need to sort of nurture that as well in different communities. I, I think so. Um, I think, again, I think mentorship is a big thing and who is choosing who these writers and directors are because there's no shortage of them um patty jenkins is an example directed wonder woman and now everybody wants her in every project well patty jenkins was great before wonder woman and there are other patty jenkins out there i the one that i love lexi alexander um now you may have not have seen this one but punisher warzone is a movie i reviewed 12 years ago and thought, you know, they had a very little budget and she made this incredible film with this and I kept waiting for her follow-up and it never came, you know. So I think it's a matter of not 
these people um, emerging. It's a matter of them being allowed to make good art. Well, okay, so you said that these are people who were good before, before yeah. they sort of get the, the, the notoriety. But do you think that with, when it comes to like big studios, it's it's a matter of you know sticking with who they know, somebody who is, is a, a proven commodity, I guess? I, I think it is, and I also think... Um, Honestly, the outlet is becoming television. So you have these big films that are made for big budgets, and you maybe bring in a really artistic director, but they're hamstrung. There's exceptions to that. Christopher Nolan is someone who has been able to make his own films kind of almost parallel to what everyone else is doing. But on the other hand, there's these people who are making the $5 million films, the blind spottings in the eighth grades, and that's great. The middle ground for someone who's an artist who's pretty successful and wants a $100 million budget but doesn't need a $400 million budget, the middle ground is becoming television. Um, you know, you're seeing great directors um, in Game of Thrones and, and or starting projects, doing an eight-part miniseries for HBO or Netflix. Netflix, Amazon Studios are giving huge amounts of opportunities. That's got to be, that's a game changer, right? Because you have that kind of outlet and so many more people are, are, are saying, oh, that's on that's on Hulu, that's on yeah. Amazon Prime. Or It's not a stigma anymore. And you look at the people who are involved with these HBO shows, you know, Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman right. do a show together. Right. Meryl Streep is coming to HBO. Um, I think what's happening, and it's part of this Oscars panic, what they don't understand is that it's not, movies versus TV. And it's not the internet and social media versus getting people to sit down in a chair and watch a three and a half hour broadcast. All of that stuff is starting to blend together into one thing. And I think the smart people are the people who are gonna realize that and try and capitalize on it instead of fighting against it and creating categories in the Oscars that make no sense and no one wants. Well, they are the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, sure. and that's what they do. Yeah, that's true. And so it's almost like you're, you're, you're taking them out of their comfort zone, you know, when you create, um, you know, a place like, you know, Netflix or, or and knowing that people have these uh, subscriptions. Yeah, I mean, and that's it, too, you know, I mean, how people are consuming uh, uh, media, you know, whether they're going to sit there and, and watch everything on their phone. I don't think they will. I, I, I really do. I, I go back to the Grand Lake Theater. Best year ever. He's owned that theater for since, you know, he showed E.T. there. Not every some people are going to watch everything on their phone. But I think people want to go out and see movies with other people and have a communal experience. I'll tell you, I've seen 250 movies at the Grand Lake and I see movies at all kinds of theaters. I have never experienced anything like seeing Black Panther on opening weekend with an Oakland crowd that doesn't even know that Oakland's in the movie. That was a surprise. And then on top of that, Ryan Coogler shows up and introduces the That's movie. right. That's right. How cool was that? Yeah, and that's... I think the studios are getting smart in that way because you notice now when movies um, are getting released, you're seeing more of that, more of these like surprise things that go viral where someone shows up or they allow a classroom full of um, at-risk kids to go see Black Panther. Um, I'm seeing it with social media, especially these smaller films like Snoop Dogg will buy an entire theater for two screenings for Sorry to Bother You to support Boots Riley because he wants to support a African-American filmmaker and a good film. And Snoop Dogg's on social media telling people, hey, get down to the Arclight. I bought these two things. You can go for free. You know, and that's what I think Hollywood should be focusing on instead of, and that's what I think the, the Academy should be focusing on is, is p 
pivoting into the now instead of trying to preserve something that's going away. It, it, but a certain amount of that can be perceived as like social activism. And, and, and I get the feeling like that's something that the academy would be would shy away from. They're like, oh, we can't do that. It's social activism, but it's marketing, too. And um, and you see it with, you know, I, I'll tell you, I mean, you could tell on social media who's gets it and who doesn't. And the people who don't get it are just, you know, go to this movie and link and maybe have a photo of themselves. Whereas people who are using social media, Instagram and uh, and Twitter to tell a story. I had Boots Riley and Lakeith Stanfield on my podcast, The Big Event. Sorry, that was a plug. Totally, uh, totally okay. <laughs> and they, during the podcast, I, I didn't even think it was rude. You know, they're on their phones um, adding to their Instagram while we're doing our interview because it's this living thing for them. You know, it's right, a week right. or two before the movie comes out and they're telling a story. And even taking a photo of where they are while they're on the podcast becomes part of the story. And uh, I, I just, I've saw it with Get Out. Get Out was a movie that opened, well, it, you know, 20, $25 million opening weekend, which is fine. That makes you think maybe that movie will hit, you know, 70, 80,000. It was made for 5 million. That's a great, great haul. Yeah. That movie had people making memes on social media and Jordan Peele is, using his humor and his sincerity to push this movie. And he's a rock star And then now. everybody who goes see it who is famous is like thinking of themselves, I'm sure, this is what I want Hollywood to be. I want more get-outs. So people have nothing to do with the movie. Even who have movies they're supposed to be pushing themselves get behind Get Out. And that movie made 200, $220 million plus. Oh, wow. By the end of the year, it's a phenomenon. It's a Best Picture nominee. Nobody, when that came out, they would not have had that movie coming out in February if they thought it had a chance of being a Best Picture nominee. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, where it's this organic, you know, snowballing thing that happens. And usually the end result is a good movie gets 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 more play. That's a good thing. Okay, talk about speaking of things that you know take a long time. Yeah, uh, it's been twenty five years since we've seen uh, a movie with sort of that that Asian storyline. I yeah. love Joy Luck Club. Uh, because it was it was like seeing me, and I still feel that way. And yeah. you've got this movie, Crazy Rich Asians, that's coming out, and it's being touted as making history because of its all Asian cast. So your family is rich. We're comfortable. That is exactly what a super rich person would say. These people aren't just rich; they're crazy rich. And you really should have told me that you're like the Prince William of Asia. That's ridiculous. Much more of a Harry. <laughs> Okay, it sounds like a really cute movie. Um, what What do you think? Where is this going to go? Is this going to be another one of those and we wait another 25 years? I hope not. Um, and I think there's already advanced buzz. Um, even in our newsroom the last couple of days, like, oh, this thing's getting big. Um, and it's a good movie. I saw it last night. It's a fun movie. I mean, it's the kind of movie that people, I think, it'll be easy for people to go and see two, three times. Really? So I don't think I'm, I'm hoping this is the beginning of a wave and we've seen it with a lot of um, movies with predominantly african-american casts that a couple times it started with tyler perry but then a couple people made movies that kind of came out of nowhere had huge box office and they're making more of them i'm hoping that's what happens here um little different than joy luck club this film I'd compare it to like the first Sex in the City movie. Okay, yeah. Even though the characters are all all new, unless you've read the book, it feels like you know the characters, and they're just going on this fun, you know, just. Well, there's a universality about kind of. Yes, that. there is, and and I think it's going to even 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 you know be appreciated beyond 
certainly the Asian market. And I think a lot of people who are going to connect with this film and identify with it are going to go see it multiple times. I think it's going to make a lot of money. And then I'm hoping um, even right now, before the movie's coming out, Hollywood's seeing the advance buzz and they're green lighting two or three other films that'll come out maybe in a year and a half, two years from now. So do we have to wait to see whether or not? I mean, that's just how it works. You know, I mean, um, certainly nobody was expecting it to be such a huge success that ended up turning into a two-part movie you know they caught it in time and were able to split it up um i think that's going to bring back a certain kind of horror film i think we'll see a few more clown horror movies if you're you're ready for that you're scaring (laughs) me already all right you've been listening to in-depth with chronicle pop culture writer peter hartlove check him out in his podcast the big event i'm holly kwan You've just heard KCBS In-Depth, a news interview program for all news 740 and FM 106.9 KCBS. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.